welcome to the ministries of the Bohomi Baptist Church, where we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fair before Him in all the earth. And the pastor is Reverend Nelson. Be blessed by the sermon that you're about to hear. Today's message, I feel, is an important message. And in the time that we're living in right now, I think it's it's perfect timing for this message. And the title of this message today is, There is no other gospel. There is no other gospel. Take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Galatians. Chapter 1. And I'll be reading from verses 6 through 10. And I'll be reading from the Amplified Version, so let's follow along, but I'm sure the scriptures will be up on the book on the screen. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. It reads: I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of it who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were, try, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And this is a letter that Paul was writing to the to, uh, people in Galatia, that even in this time, all the way then, another gospel was being preached to the people in Galatia, and they were now being confused of what to believe. And I'm sure during that time, people were believing what they were hearing, and they were running with it. And the true gospel is not when it's being preached to them, they can't accept it fully, and they kind of learn and they kind of be equipped for the works that they need to be work need to be ready for in this world. And we fast forward to this day in 2023, that is still going on. And look what is going on among us. Wars and rumors of wars, countries going against country, nation against nation, which was stated in the Bible that is going to happen. But yet, when we go and we hear other churches or we listen to other churches and other preachers that are speaking, speaking the word here in our pulpit, what are they truly preaching? What are they teaching? Well, it goes back to say even more. Let us ask this question, first and foremost. What 
is the gospel? Have you ever asked that question to yourself or anyone has ever asked you that question? Those who are believers or even non-believers. What is the gospel? That's a good question. And I believe that is a question many believers, believe it or not, cannot properly answer. The gospel is not about what man does, but rather what Christ did. It is what Christ did. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says this. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching what? The gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you hear what Jesus was preaching? Jesus was preaching the gospel. And it was very specific what Mark writes. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus was preaching. It goes on and says, repent and believe in the gospel. From the days when Jesus was on earth to now, what is now known as, quote unquote, the gospel has changed drastically. Can we say that yes to that? Not amen, but yes to that, because that is the truth. Are you with me? Anyone listening? We now have different kinds of gospels that preachers are teaching in churches today, throughout this world. I'm just going to give a few examples of what those gospels are. In this article that I read by Bill Hull, he said there are six gospels that pastors throughout the world are talking about in churches or teaching from in churches and still using the Bible with it. One, forgiveness only gospel. Some of you have heard about these gospels, some of you have not. The left one, the second one, is the old and new gospel. Number three, which I think is the most popular one, the prosperity gospel. Four, the consumer gospel. Five, the be right gospel. And number six, which I, which I, in reading this article, you know, I feel is closest to what we should be talking about is the kingdom gospel. Now, if if I was to add on a little bit more to that article. I'll add on a seventh one to that list, and it's called the Itching Ears Gospel. You know what the Itching Ears Gospel is? Those that satisfy that itch. It's not really sound gospel, but they use the Bible because, and it soothes the ear because that's what we want to hear. And I feel good about it. I can go to church and live my life because I've been soothed. That itch has been satisfied. The Itching Ears Gospel. And you can read about the Itching Ears Gospel in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. And it branches off to other, people, to other people's understanding of who Jesus is or who truly was. 
for those that feels like he was just a man and when he died he's just dead and gone he's, he didn't raise from the dead so to, depending on who you're talking to it'd be Jesus was and for those that do believe Jesus is because he is still alive to this day he raised he was risen from the dead on the third day and there he's living with his father forevermore and he's going to come back he's going to come back for us when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those who are still here on earth will be caught up to meet him in the air as the word says but there are also other questions that people ask about Jesus. Was he just a man? Or was he just a prophet? There are some religions that say Jesus was a good man, but he was also a prophet. They disclaim that he is the son of God. Religions, current religions right now, they are doing that. And some of us may know of those religions that are currently doing that. And these are just some of the questions people ask or inquire about Jesus. They go as far as make blasphemous statements about, you know, what Jesus is or what he was not. Or Jesus is not the only way to heaven. These words are being said. People are now confused because some of these, there are some people who are very influential. They call them celebrities. When they make these statements, they believe so much in what that celebrity says, they forget about what they, what they have learned in church and believe what that celebrity is saying. That, oh, there's, there's more than a way to heaven. Who is Jesus? These things are being said. They said they've been said on public television. And it's confusing people on top of that, which makes it even worse. So now, if you don't have a solid foundation, you can just be blown away by anything that somebody says. Doesn't the Bible say that let no man lay a foundation that was already laid for us, and that foundation is what? Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody take away your foundation because you already have a foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Don't you forget it. Jesus Christ is our foundation. But here's another thing that I feel is important to know. And it's stated in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. It says this, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all your getting get understanding which leads me to my first point understanding the gospel because there are many believers I'm not even talking about non-believers but believers that truly have been going to church for years and they still don't really understand the gospel is that something to say about the teaching from the pastor of that church? That's not for me to say. But I'm just presenting you the realities of what is currently going on in many churches throughout this world, throughout the Caribbean, United States, wherever. These things are currently happening. People have been attending church 
for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, and they still don't understand what the gospel is truly about. So what can we do to help people understand so they can now draw a closer relationship to Jesus Christ? Before we even try to understand the gospel, first we need to know what gospel is. You can't understand what you don't know. Just like how you can't tell how a person is if you don't know them. I can't talk about Avisha and I don't know a thing about Avisha. Who is me to say anything about her? I don't know her. So how can I say anything about her? Same thing with the gospel. If I don't anything, if I don't know anything about the gospel, how can I understand it? I have to first understand what is it what it is about. I have to know what it is about first. Once I know what it is about, then I can understand. If you if nobody doesn't know me, how can you try to understand me? My personality, my characteristic, my ways, my faults. How could you do that if you don't know who I am? Know what the gospel is first. What does gospel mean? What is the essence of the gospel? And what is the gospel about? Three important questions that we should be able to answer when someone asks us, what is the gospel? Chelsea Kite wrote in an article these words, I quote, The gospel, it is the message that comes to us from God. It does not originate in any person or church. It is the gospel of God, end quote. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul wrote these words, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Secondly, it is a message about Jesus, God's begotten son. The gospel is the message that God has given you so that you can experience Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Then there is the essence of the gospel, which explains who Jesus is and what he has done for us and why he has done it for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 8 and Luke 24 verses 45 to 49 explains or gives an answer to those questions I just asked about who Jesus is, why he has done it, and what, and what he has done. Who Jesus is, what he has done, and why he has done it. 
those two scriptures that does not mention in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and Luke 24, verses 45 to 49, answers those questions. It explains that first, Jesus is the Christ. Now, let me say this. Christ is not a surname like how we have surnames. My surname is Thomas. Pastor's surname is Nelson. Tongue. All of us have surnames, but Christ is not a surname. Christ is a title. Christ is the title. Christ means anointed king. That's important to know. Christ means anointed king. Hebrew, Hamashiach, Greek, Christos, anointed king. What he did was first give us back what we lost in the beginning. And that was the kingdom. You can read it in Genesis chapter 3. When Eve was first met by the serpent, Eve ate of the fruit. And then Eve gave the fruit to Adam. And Adam ate the fruit. And that's when they realized that they were naked. And they started hiding until they heard God going to the bush. And he was like, Adam, Adam, where art thou? God knew he was hiding, but that is when we lost it. When, we dis when Adam disobeyed because God gave him a direct order. You shall eat from any tree, but do not, tree, do not eat of the tree of the fruit the tree of the fruit of good and evil because the day you eat of that tree you shall surely die direct order nothing to misinterpret it was straightforward you can eat from any tree but that tree over there don't eat it because if you do that's it. And Adam ate from that fruit. But God always has a plan. Let's read Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed up by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That is what Adam lost. And Jesus came back to bring us back, to bring us what we lost. If you lost something, someone found it, they're trying to give it back to you. Jesus was given to us what we lost, and that was the kingdom which was ours since the creation of this world, according to Scripture. Jesus said these words, Matthew 25, verse 34. Adam lost it, as I mentioned, in, chapter, in Genesis chapter 3. And God said these words to the evil one. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Who was that seed? Talk to me, church. Who was that seed? Jesus Christ was that seed. Jesus Christ was that seed. 
He suffered. He died in our place for our sins. And on the third day, he rose triumphantly from the dead. As that song says, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph of his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain with a mighty triumph of his saints who reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. That is our song of glory. Christ arose up from the grave. He arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Jesus then commissioned his disciples and to us as well that we believers, we must go we therefore and teach to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Understanding the gospel. Once we understand, now we can, try, now we can experience the gospel. How does someone experience the gospel? Firstly, the gospel means good news. The Greek word for gospel is eugelion, which means good, good message. But not, not only that, from that Greek word, it's now, it's been broken into now, now it's been transliterated to the word evangelize. Evangelical. That comes from the Eugelion is the base word that gives us the word evangelize or evangelical. Gospel. This is, so it is through hearing the gospel we can receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. The old man has been taken off and now we can put on the new man. Stated well in Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 22 through 24. It says this. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows to corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Once we begin to experience this truth and live in spirit and in truth, it will be a lot easier to share the gospel to other people. Because now we are now a living example of what we are supposed to represent here on earth. Once we become a living example of what Christ intended for us, what God intended for us to live here on earth, it's a lot easier to share the gospel. You cannot live a hypocritical life and then talk to me about Jesus Christ. 
because people go look at you with a cross. I like. I ain't see you doing so and so the other day. And it will make you feel guilty. Let's be honest now. There are four truths that you will see when you start to experience the gospel in your life. Number one, God's love. The gospel shows how great God's love is for us. In this, the love of God made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Truth number two, our problem. In experiencing the gospel, the problems that we may have or do have within ourselves it can be dealt with through the grace and love of, of true Jesus Christ. Because we cannot handle things ourselves. We need God in our lives to get rid of these personal issues that we have within ourselves. Because we cannot overcome these sins by our own strength. We will get a better understanding of what we need to do to turn away from our lusts in our lives. If a person does not understand what if a person does not understand what sin is, because sin is rebellion against God's will. For those that need a better understanding, sin is rebellion against God's will. Whatever God's will is for our life, once you go against that, that's sin. And it's followed with the actions that is ungodly. Go against God's will for your life, sin. The very thought alone, that's the sin right there because the seed is planted. Then you go forward with that thought, the action is following. If you think it, you can kill it with prayer and say, Lord, I don't want to think that way. Get rid of that thought. Forgive me for that, for even thinking that way. When you experience the gospel you, and you have a true connection with the Father, you have that relationship where, Lord, you can, you can stop in your tracks and then I'm going the wrong way. But, Lord, turn me back to where I'm supposed to be. As that song we used to sing with Sister Pearl and Sister Ketty, take me back there, Lord, to the place where I first received you. That's important. Stay in God's grace. Stay in God's vision. Stay in God's eye. Keep him as your main focus. Do you know that God has a plan for your life? Many people may not accept that truth, but it's the truth. God has a plan for your life. In the book of Jeremiah, Chapter 29, verse 11, I read this. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. 
But verses 13 and 14 is also important in that very chapter. It says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You can't look for God half-heartedly. You cannot. If you want to find God, you have to look for him with your whole heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. That was said during that time with Jeremiah, where that was a word that was laid on his heart to share to the people. And that is a word for us, that whatever we're going through in our life, that we have come to the point where we are strayed, because it says in the word, many... We are, we, have, we are sheep have gone astray and turned our own way. But God can bring us back. God, and God can bring us back that we can serve him in spirit and in truth. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. For the wages of your sin is death. Sin came into this world when Adam ate the fruit when he got it from Eve. That's when sin came into this world. Adam disobeyed the word that was given to him by God. And therefore, sin came into this world. But it also says in that very same verse, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that is why the third truth is Christ is the solution. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. This is the heart of the gospel right here. Jesus did not just die. No, he died so that we could live. And then when the day comes, when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall be risen first, all those who are here will be caught up to meet him in the air and there shall we live with him forevermore according to the scriptures, according to the word of God. That is why it's a heart of the gospel. Right there when it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the fourth truth is our response. We can't do anything without God. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is, here it is again, the gift of God, not a result of of works that men may boast. It's not about you. It's never been about you. It's about God. It's always been about God. Give him the praise and give him the glory. But there's nothing 
we can do by our own power. If we think we're power, nope. God has all the power. All powerful, all knowing. That is God. Neither can we save ourselves from eternal damnation or the consequences of sin. We, can't, we do not have the power to save ourselves from that. It is only through Jesus Christ and through him only we can be saved from eternal damnation. If we, once we accept him as our Lord and personal Savior. And finally, how we communicate the gospel is also important. When communicating the gospel, what are we telling people? Now, there is, this is where confusion takes place in many churches. And it says in the word that God is not a God of confusion. We can't be going to church and have question marks over our heads like, what is being said? What is going on here? How am I supposed to live? How do I overcome these problems? If I'm in a rut, if I'm suffering with this, how, do I, how am I able to overcome this? There are preachers that use the pulpit, and I always consider the pulpit a very sacred place because you are like an entertainer or performer, not to say that a preacher is supposed to be an entertainer, but people are listening to every word that you are saying. They are listening. And when they hear these words, they take it to heart. Now, in this, also in many cases too, people come to church every Sunday, or every day they come to worship, and they depend on the preacher to read the Bible for them. But from Monday to Saturday, they will not open the Bible for themselves. But the same Bible says we must study to show ourselves approved. So how can you show yourself approved if you don't take the time to spend with God and read his word? Because if you spend time, read his word, and understand the word, experience the word, what it has for you, how it will be a lot easier to share the gospel because you are spending time in the word. You're spending time with God. You're knowing more about God. You're learning more about God. You're loving more with God. So now it's easier to share the gospel because you know what it's all about. And the more you experience, the more you want to share and show God's love to others. But you can't show and experience something that you don't know nothing about. So how can you communicate gospel if you don't understand it and you never truly experienced it? What are you communicating? And when you do that, you confuse people. You don't want to confuse people when they come to church. They want to hear the word. And also that you want to, you want to encourage them to read the word for themselves. Some preachers and teachers would teach erroneously to the masses. Excuse me for that large vocabulary word. Doing a little reading. So. But they would read 
they would, just, they would just say a lot of nonsense. Let me just use that word. A lot of nonsense to the masses of people. And to those masses, they would believe every word that was said. And one of the key reasons that happens, as I mentioned, is that people will not spend time with the words for themselves. A laid-back attitude has been adopted. And people are becoming more and more dependent on Pastor Nelson, for example. Not to say that that's happening here. I'm just using it as an example. But they're becoming more dependent on the pastor, whoever it may be, to read the word for them and to know the word for them. Earlier, I mentioned the different types of gospels. And some of the, most, some of the gospels are so egregious and ridiculous, but people still clamor towards it. I also mentioned earlier what, what is the itching ears gospel, something to, to satisfy our ears that soothes us, that make us feel better. And I won't call any preacher, mega pastor by name, but some of you sitting here this morning and some of you that are listening and watching on Zoom, some of you may know who they are. Know them by name too. But I won't mention their names, but you know. But some of, some of us they, 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 one of the, like I said, one of the most popular ones is prosperity gospel. And some of us may know, let's see, I remember a time, I remember a time I was, I was at Morehouse, yes, I was at Morehouse College. And after a certain time of the night, there's a lot of infomercials and programs, and these preachers would come along and they would, you know, share a message, say a thing or two, or talk about, you know, have somebody on as a guest so they could share their testimonials. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But some of the things that I witnessed when I was up there in Georgia, I was like, really? That's what's going on? And people are coming to these churches every Sunday? And that's what you're talking about? One of the worst things, I could never forget it. I could never forget it. I just came from football practice and I was taking the night. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just going to relax in my dorm room. And this preacher was talking about, you know, a blessing, you know, come be a blessing. Come be a blessing to somebody today. And whatever you have, just send, send that money to this address right here on the screen. And if you don't have any money, just borrow money. I'm, I'm serious. He said it, the screen, the, the camera was staring right at him and he said, borrow money and send it to the address right here on that screen and be a blessing to somebody today. I was like, you got to be joking. If you already broke and you can't even pay your own bills, why would you go and borrow money from the bank just to be a blessing to somebody that you don't know? But that is what the prosperity gospel has done to many people. People can't even live, keep, keep their head above water, but they're sending them their hard-earned working money. That's just the truth. I'm not bashing anyone. So don't take my words as disrespect. I'm just talking the truth. These things are happening. So what are you truly communicating? That's what it boils down to. What are you communicating? Because that is now considered a gospel. 
No Jesus is talking about there. You may mention scriptures all you please, but if you're you taking those scriptures out of context, how is that going to help someone? Once you mention a scripture, but you say with, with wrong understanding, you are not helping anyone. You're not helping anyone. Boy, let's continue. Some go as far as to twist or misinterpret or even dilute the scriptures for self-gain or for something else that is ungodly. I ask again, what are we truly communicating? When someone experiences Jesus Christ through sound teaching, the reaction is to tell others of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? We as believers, we have to try our best to communicate the, to communicate the gospel with clarity and with understanding and in love. And I have to emphasize that in love because there are some who have accepted Christ, but they look down on people. They're like, oh, see you living a sinful life. I know you're going to heaven. I don't know about you. Is that a proper attitude to have towards someone that is struggling in their life and they need Jesus in their life too? When you look down and then be like, oh, I accept Christ. I don't know about you. You could live your sinful life. Oh, you are. I know you're going to heaven. That's a wrong attitude to have. That's a wrong attitude to have. We should not have that kind of attitude at all. How can we share the gospel if you, cannot, if you have that kind of attitude? Do not take that attitude like you're better than someone. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. But that first, the beginning of that verse, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is important for us to do. That is important for us to do. If we go around sharing the gospel, we have to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only that, we must obey the second commandment that Jesus said to that rich young man who said that he's done everything that he has. What else have to do to enter the kingdom? Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do we have that love for others like how Christ loved us? Do we have that love? Because we should. Because it's Jesus said, for those like those that that show love to others, they are my disciples. The word says that. How we communicate the gospel is by spreading the love of Jesus Christ to others and letting us live life, let us living lives that reflect Christ in everything that we do to win souls for the kingdom. So as I close, 
let us first know what gospel is. Because that was the mission, the message of this sermon. Know first what gospel is. Because we cannot understand what we don't know. So know what gospel is first. After we know what the gospel is, let's try to properly understand it. Once we understand it, let's experience the gospel in our lives. And finally, let us communicate the gospel truthfully and honestly so others can accept Jesus into their lives and receive what was given to us before the foundation of the world. And that is the kingdom. There is no other gospel that a church can teach other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this word that you've given me today. And I pray, Lord, that this, your word will not return to you void. We thank you, Father, and we praise you for this word. And I pray, Lord, that it does equip us, that it does teach us in righteousness, that it, gets, that it, that it trains us so we can do what we need to do and on an everyday basis, every day that you bless us with, Lord. And we thank you, Father. For those that have not accepted Christ, let today be that day. For those that need to rededicate their lives to Christ, let today be that day, Lord. We thank you, Father, and we praise you for what you have done and what you will continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we just want to thank you for listening to today's sermon here at the Bavoni Baptist Church, where sharing Christ is every Christian's business. So as we depart, go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.